Welcome back to the podcast, A Push in History. Today we're going to be talking about the plot to overthrow George Washington. Now a little bit of background about George Washington. He was born to estate and plantation ownership, so a wealthy family, and he received about seven to eight years of education. He began his career as a country surveyor, which gave him insight into the importance of land ownership. He later gained Mount Vernon, an estate, after his brother's death in 1752. Washington was appointed adjutant, or assistant commanding officer, of Northern Virginia. His military career began with him pushing encroaching French forces out of the Ohio River Valley in 1753. The French built Fort Duquesne there, and later in 1755, Washington aided British General Braddock against the French fort. Washington was then appointed to colonial commander-in-chief of Virginia forces. Quote, it was in this savage frontier warfare that Washington acquired the habit of thinking and acting for the welfare of a people. In 1758, they finally take Fort Duquesne after the French and Indian War. Washington marries and settles in Mount Vernon until around 1770. Now around this time, the colonists are getting riled up. The Boston Tea Party is happening. Intolerable acts are the punishment for the Boston Tea Party. Other acts, like the Townshend and Stamp Acts, are upsetting the colonists. The colonists wanted change. First Continental Congress is happening in 1774, where the 56 delegates meet in Philadelphia, including George Washington, Samuel Adams, John Adams, and other colonists from every other colony. These men, they reject a plan for colonial union under British authority, and instead recommend military preparations and agree to a series of boycotts. 1775 rolls around, and Thomas Gage, the British general, is ordering troops from Boston to control the rebels in other parts of Massachusetts. The British leave at night, going towards Concord to steal the ammunition, and here we have the infamous Paul Revere warning people in the city of Lexington that the British were coming. The British are coming! Boom! The shot heard around the world. Someone shoots in Lexington, and in 1775, we get the start of the American Revolutionary War. Washington's next military action after the French and Indian War was the Revolution. And although he did not see much individual success in this endeavor, it did gain him quite the military experience. He was chosen to command the militias of Virginia and later the entire Continental Army after the First Continental Congress. Washington is most well known for the Delaware Crossing during the Revolution. This is where Washington led his men across the Delaware River in the freezing cold of night to attack the Hessians at Trenton. This battle completely changed the war and raised the spirits of the Continental Army. The leadership Washington offered allowed him to organize the Continental Army from not even being an army to becoming the strategic militia that won battles. So in general, we see George Washington as this well-known, respected military hero that never lost a battle and became the first president. One great example of Washington's hero character is the cherry tree myth. It was invented by Mason Weems in 1799-1800. to This story showed Washington getting a hatchet accidentally damaging his father's cherry tree, and then being honest about it to his father. The cherry tree myth and other stories showed readers that Washington's public greatness was due to his private virtues. However, he had a lot of power in America, even before he was president, mainly because of the previously mentioned military experience and attending the, of the Continental Congress. The idea of Washington being this true American hero is important to remember, because not everyone viewed him that way back in the late 1700s and the authority that he had gained was something that other people wanted. And this is kind of how Washington's position was set up to be under attack by somebody. 
there had to be somebody that would try to gain that power. His name? Horatio Gates. Horatio Gates served as a British soldier in the late 1740s, but by the time the Seven Years' War and the Revolution rolled around, he had retired from that career and began his new military career. He served as a major in the Continental Army in the Seven Years' War and then as a general in the Revolution. Gates is mainly known for the Battle of Saratoga in 1777, which was led by General Benedict Arnold as well as aided by General Philip Schuyler. But Horatio took full credit for the victory, beginning his more pompous military career. Around this time of General Horatio Gates' success, Washington was also in battles, but he wasn't as lucky, suffering a couple failures. The Battle of Long Island in 1776 was pivotal for the British Army because it would help isolate New England. Washington lost to British General William Howe, outflanking him overnight. This was not only a crushing blow to the moral of the Continental Army, it also helped Britain gain more land in the North. Then, in New York Kipps Bay, also 1776, was another loss for the Continental Army. This loss allowed General William Howe to gain much more land on modern-day Manhattan. Washington, unable to rally his troops because of the lethality of the well-trained British and Hessian soldiers, was forced to retreat with his men and give up land to the British. After being pushed to Pennsylvania, the Battle of Brandywine occurred, and it was a loss of both men and weaponry for the Continental Army. In 1777, British General William Howe and Charles Cornwallis attacked and caught Washington off guard at Brandywine. The British surrounded the Continental Army, and after less than one day, Washington ordered his 11,000 troops to leave most of their cannons and artillery behind and retreat. This saw over 1,100 men killed or captured and was potentially the final straw that drove people to want Washington out of his leadership position. These failures are important because they obviously contributed to Washington's worsening reputation as a military leader. They were also within a year of each other and the streak of failures most likely made the people's view of Washington much worse as their moral got lower and lower. Quote, the disasters suffered by the army under George Washington left many patriots with reason to suspect that the Virginian was not up to task assigned to him, particularly when his failures were contrasted with the success of Major General Horatio Gates at Saratoga. This rising rivalry made by the people was important because at this point in time, Washington held more power and authority than Gates and the people began to show their distaste and dissatisfaction through what we are about to discuss. Okay, so there was a small group in the late 1770s called the Conway Cable. It was comprised of military officers for the Continental Army. The leader, or at least the person it was named after, was Thomas Conway. Basically, Conway was a general that was the leader of the Battle of Germantown, which was an important and fantastic Continental victory. Conway was set to be promoted to Major General because of this, but good old George Washington denied him, saying there was better, more qualified generals that should get the promotion. This made Conway a little upset and led him to start the Conway Cable with our friend Horatio Gates. You may be thinking that the Conway Cable is this vengeful Washington hate club, but it's really important to remember that every member had their reasons. We know Gates wanted more power and authority, and Conway was angry at Washington for denying him the promotion he thought he deserved. However, many of the other members had their own reasons. Members opposed the alliance with France and represented Congress and Washington's authority. This is stating that the general common members of the cable did not oppose Washington as much as they opposed other leaderships. The idea of many common people, as well as political influencers supporting Horatio Gates, is important 
when thinking about Gates' character. This most likely acted as almost an ego boost to his already super inflated ego. The tension between Gates and Washington was not one-sided either. Washington became angered and annoyed on numerous occasions through the late 1770s. For instance, when Gates took credit for their victory at Saratoga in 1777, he also was the one to inform the Continental Congress, instead of telling his superiors and them informing the Congress. Another thing that angered Washington was Gates' aversion to send the troops back after the New York campaign. The tension rose after Gates became the president of the Board of War in 1778. This meant that Gates was now above Washington when it came to power and proceeded to make plans to invade Canada without talking to Washington first. Many people did not necessarily acknowledge that Washington had less power because he was more widely known and favored, making Gates' choice to make plans without him even more aggravating for Washington. Now the main point that you gotta take away from here is that Gates considered himself as above Washington to all degrees. His flaw was that he believed he deserved more than that he had which was only increased by things like Saratoga, his newfound authority over Washington, and even a faction of the Continental Congress favoring him. Can you believe that? In a letter to Washington in 1777, Marquet de Lafayette describes the situation. Quote, There are open dissensions in Congress, parties who hate one another as much as the common enemy, men who, without knowing anything about war, undertake to judge you and to make ridiculous comparisons. They are infatuated with Gates, without thinking of the difference of circumstances and believe that attacking is the only thing necessary to conquer. The year is 1777 in the winter time, right around the time where Horatio Gates was promoted to president of the Board of War. The Conway Cable was mostly unknown or insignificant politicians, obviously aside from Gates and Conway. However, politician and patriot Samuel Adams was also a member. Now, the strategy of the Conway Cable was essentially like a massive game of telephone. Members of the political group would mention interesting or conversational ideas about Washington to very influential people. This essentially spread the concept of Washington having poor leadership to some of the most important people of the time. Remember, this was just a hint, and when anybody thought about Washington's success so far against Horatio Gates, it most likely became more believable that Washington was underqualified. Quote, their cautious approach was to drop hints and suggestions in influential circles. If this strategy from the cable sounds like a covert and very secretive process, that's because it was. The cable then took it one step further by publishing and circulating an anonymous paper. The paper was called Thoughts of a Free Man, and just from the name alone, you could tell it's going to be juicy. The verbal attacks unleashed from that paper targeted Washington and his legitimacy. Quote, The latter was not only a formal attack on Washington's ability, but also on his popularity. And this quote from a writing of John Adams was used in this paper to attack Washington's reputation. The people of America have been guilty of idolatry, of making a man their god. Now we talked about how the group ousted Washington, but now we're going to talk about how the whole scheme failed miserably. It all started with James Wilkinson. He was working with Conway at the time of the exchange and certain letters and knew of their contents. These letters were mainly communication between Conway and Gates. These letters not only exposed plans and intentions for the cable, but they also continued to attack Washington. Whilst under their influence, he let some details slip concerning the letter to one of the Lord Sterling colleagues, who then informed Sterling. Sterling was a companion of Washington at the time, so of course Sterling told Washington. Sterling had found lines like, 
heaven has been determined to save your country, or a weak general and bad counselors would have ruined it. That attacked Washington. These lines attacked Washington, Congress, and other military officers. When Washington informed Conway that he knew of the contents of the letters, Conway denied any accusations of calling Washington out. When Conway found out that Wilkinson snitched, he told Gates of this backstabbing. Gates tried to cover this up by telling Washington that someone stole the letters. Washington knew what was up. Then the whole thing fell apart on January 19, 1778, after Conway and Gates wouldn't give up their letters to the Congress. This essentially proved that they were guilty and both suffered strong punishments, collapsing their reputations and their loss of power. After being challenged by the Conway Cable and proving them wrong, the nation started to heavily support Washington, who became more of a national figure of unity throughout the colonies. This also brought up the start of the well-known, respected war hero and president that we all know and love today of Washington. George Washington is elected president in 1777, and shortly after, the Revolutionary War comes to a close. The last major battle, Battle of Yorktown, occurs with the French Navy blockading British troops and American troops led by Washington forcing the British to surrender. The Treaty of Paris is drafted in 1783 and gives land and independence to the United States. The Revolutionary War was crucial in bringing out the unity of the Americans and the desire to be independent from the British. Support and leadership in America starts to take shape with the help of Washington. Thanks for listening. Main credits go out to Harrison McGovern and Colin McElroy for researching the script and all three of us for writing it. And this is A Push in History.